If I'm a child of God, I have in my hand powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, and give me a reason to stand for God. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, He's alive! I want, to, I want you to see an introductory video as we start today. Continuing our series, Red Letter Day, the last words of Jesus. I was privileged to take a trip to Boston in the Northeast with uh, Ed and Lindsay Wilson, and Cindy and I had the opportunity to go do that. You know, different parts of the country have different phrases that they'll use kind of as their last word or whatever it might be. And in Boston, they have an interesting phrase. They get through everything, and they say, it's wicked awesome. Wicked awesome. But they say it with an accent, wicked awesome or something like that. I don't know. I can't do it. But I thought the funniest thing I've ever seen was the Geico gecko. On a sign, he said, our insurance is wicked awesome. (laughs) I thought, okay. Famous last words. Well, Jesus is on the cross. If you could read all those words under that nail, you'd see they were words that Jesus uttered from the cross. Last week, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The theological difficulty with that statement is that God is asking God, (laughs) why am I being rejected? Powerful statement. Another one today. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or what they're doing. I mean, he's been beaten, abused, humiliated, hung between two criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And how does he have the capacity to look down from the cross and say this in Luke 23? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified with him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, if it were me hanging on the cross, my next phrase would have been, Kill him, Dad. Hey, Dad, take him out. The Bible says he had command of 10,000 angels. I would have had no problem calling at least five. 
5,000 surely could have taken care of those worthless Roman soldiers. Aren't you glad I wasn't hanging on the cross? Because look what Jesus said in verse 34. Father, forgive them. Go ahead and say it. For they do not know what they are doing. Wow. Those words are a fulfillment of prophecy. We're seeing prophecy play out in front of us right now. Anybody that's got any sense at all will understand that this world is decaying quickly. If Israel is still the forefront of all the problems in the world, why Israel? What does Israel represent that the rest of the world is upset about? Our Savior came from there. They don't want to deal with heaven and hell. They want God to be dead. And by the way, I saw that movie yesterday, God is Dead, number two. What did I say? God is dead. <laughs> that was the premise of the movie is that God is dead. But God is not dead. It's the second rendition of that phrase and into another movie. And I'm telling you, you need to see it. I found myself tearing up a number of times throughout the movie, mainly because of the cold and callousness of the world that we live in. Our faith is the only one under attack. I brought up in Sunday school about a high school in Minnesota where they've, uh, there's a, a large contingent of Muslims living there now. They have complained and worked and gotten into the school system there to where now the high school is offering a prayer room for the Muslim children to pray five times a day. They've adjusted the menu that the cafeteria serves. You know, in one part you get kind of upset, don't you? You get kind of upset. But someone suggested, and I thought it was an excellent suggestion, so what if the Christians complained and we got our prayer room? Would it be empty like the one we have at church that never gets used? See, the Muslim children are raised to be in that room. They're driven five times a day to face the east and say your prayers and get on your knees and on your prayer cloth. By example and by force. <laughs> How about us? What about us? Oh, preacher, you know better than that. You know we pray. Do I? Do I know that you pray? I don't know that you pray. Because if you really, really pray, something ought to be happening in your life that's very measurable and obvious. Amen? I'll wait. Good job. In Isaiah 53:12 For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I like that word intercession. You know what that means, don't you? Intercession. It means that I am I am supposed to suffer 
the price of a bad choice, but someone else comes and pushes me back, steps in front of me, and takes the punishment so I don't have to. Huh? Really? That's exactly right. And who was that? Jesus. In this movie, they bring out the heavy hitters. When I, they put on the stand Lee Strobel, I said, well, game's over. <laughs> the ACLU is going to lose now because Lee Strobel's sitting up there. And I'm telling you, what he had to say was just very short, but powerful. Yeah, you'll see this movie. For a number of reasons. One is to send Hollywood a message, but the other is because you need what's in this movie. Don't wait for the video to come out. Well, I'll get it when the video comes No, 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 no. Go see it. Uh, I thank Aaron for putting these things together for us. And, you know, next time we have a movie thing, come on. So we went to a theater. That's okay. Reclining seats and everything. Can you beat it? And Aaron told me, don't recline. You'll snore. So I, I didn't. I sit there. No. Intercession. You see, that word and, and the words that he shared from the cross changed Everything. Why? Well, because we need to see the response we would give before we met Christ. Before we met Christ, we would say, You owe me and justice is mine. You owe me and justice is mine. Matthew 5.38 says, You have heard that it is said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. See, some of us still live that way. Somebody hurt you, you're going to hurt them back. But just a little bit more. Not just hurt them, you're going to hurt them a little bit more. If they called you ugly, you're going to call them uglier. If they say you're stupid, well, then they're stupider. I saw a cartoon sign with Trump on one side and Hillary on the other, and it said, Election 2016, nope. And noper. <laughs> I'll let you figure out which side was which. An eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. They've hurt me. I will hurt back. And they don't know the pain that they will suffer and I'll inflict upon them. You know, where, where are we at with that? Is this how we still think? I'll get them back. I'll pay them back. I'll show them. I'm not this pushover. I'm not this melbatose. I'm not this spineless whatever. I'm the one that's innocent. They're the ones that are guilty. I'm the victim, not them. How many people do you know that are victims? Oh my gosh, everybody's a victim. They're offended. Did you see at one of these, was it Eastern, uh, Northeastern colleges, somebody wrote out on the sidewalk in chalk, vote Trump. And the kids at this university, this liberal-minded university, they went bananas. They were needing counseling. They were bringing in counselors to counsel the children who had read the words, vote Trump, on a sidewalk in chalk. Oh my God, the world's going to come to... Oh, oh, oh. 
Really? That's awesome. I saw an article this week and it was just so amazing how people are. Just, just how people are. They wanted, people want a $15 minimum wage. And so the answer to that from McDonald's is, they put a kiosk in there and you get to go order to a machine. In Seattle, they passed the law in Seattle because, boy, there are progressives out there and they started paying minimum wage of $15 an hour. And then everybody who got the $15 an hour and is working at McDonald's for $15 an hour in places like that got upset when they got their first paycheck because now they made too much money to get all the free stuff from the government. So they went back to their employer and said, I can't work 40 hours a week because I make too much money, so you've got to cut my hours. Boy, that sounds like us. I'm going to get it my way. Tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye. That's before Christ. How about after Christ? What is the response that we should be giving after we meet Christ? Then we should be saying, God forgave me, so I'll do what? Forgive you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll forgive you. God forgave me, I'll, I'll forgive you. And Jesus redefined forgiveness. He took forgiveness to an absolutely new level. It's not eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's I forgive you because God forgave me. Now, I don't know about you, but they've beat him, they've slapped him, they've beat him some more, (laughs) they slapped him some more, They shove the crown of thorns on his head. They put the robe on his back. They make him carry the cross beam through the city streets of Jerusalem. They get him out. They jerk the robe off, opening up the wounds more. They lay him down on the cross. They put the cross beam there. They they tie it up, nail it up, or whatever. Then they stretch him out. And they tie his arms on the front side of the cross, not up on top, on the front side, and then they nail him to the cross. And then they put his feet together and they run a spike down through his feet. Because see, the way that crucifixion worked is they'd tie your arms on top of the cross with a little bitty foot jut out from the bottom there for your toes so you could reach down with your toes and pull yourself up and push yourself up. And then you'd go back down. Then you'd do that and you just kept doing it until you died because you'd suffer from your own body fluids filling your lungs. And they didn't do him that way. They tied his on the front. So when he pulled up and pushed up, he had to push with his feet on a nail in through his feet. And then he had to pull on the, on the nails in his hands and arms. That's how he died. And he's hanging there and he looks down and says, Father, forgive them. Oh, my God. Matthew six twelve. I believe when the apostles needed to know how to pray, he said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive. 
That means pardon. It means cancel debt. Wouldn't it be great tomorrow if the bank called you and said, Hey, somebody came in Friday and wiped out your mortgage. You don't owe us anything anymore? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Oh, pass out. I'd be done. Cindy, after my knee surgery, we, we kept waiting for the bills to come in. You know, I mean, insurance doesn't cover everything anymore. Not everything. It covers a lot, but not everything. So we kept waiting for the hospital bill to come. We figured we were going to get a hospital bill. It didn't come. It didn't come. It didn't come. And he goes, so finally I said, well, I've got to call him. She goes, don't call him. I said, I can't take this. I've got, I got to call him. So I called him. She goes, well, let me look that up. No, nope, you have a zero balance. I said, could you send that to me? She said, absolutely. I'll put that in the mail to you today. I said, oh, awesome. Great. Can I come by and get it? <laughs> a few days later, I got it. Opened it up. Sure enough. said, balance due. Zero. My insurance company didn't pay the $17,000 that was due. But somebody did. I just sit back and said, thank you, Jesus. So then my wife said, well, I'm going to find out. I said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't find out. Leave it alone, leave it alone. And so she asked around their company, and nobody had any idea what, how that happened. I was on my knees later thanking God. God did that. Somehow God did that. Canceled debt. You see, who benefits from canceled debt? We do. We do. And the load of sin that put him on the cross got canceled. <laughs> God canceled. Wow. Wow. Forgiveness will fall into two categories. It's something we receive, but it's also something we give as well. The cross shows us that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short, that we all need forgiveness. It's a very, this is a very important issue for all of us. I see so much hurt, suffering, bitterness, pain, resentment, life that's just eating people, literally eating them alive. So, how do we forgive? You know, well, Peter comes to Jesus and says, well, do we forgive seven times? I mean, he was being magnanimous. He thought, hey, being generous. Jesus said, nope, 70 times seven. So he starts adding it up. Well, 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus said, it doesn't stop. Just keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Now, I don't need to enable you through my forgiveness. Big difference, isn't it? So if you've loaned money to somebody and you're expecting them to pay you back, write it off. If they haven't paid you back now, you're not going to get it. Well, that's a lot of money, preacher. And you never should have done it in the first place. 
What have I always told you about loaning money to somebody? If you can't walk away without it, don't even enter the transaction. I'll say that people have the best of intentions. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Yet how many times have we given? They make a promise, we forgive them, we give it again. They make a promise and we forgive them, they give it, we, we give it to them again. What do we want? We just keep enabling them to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. There's a great story that I want us to focus on. It's found in Matthew 18. So the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be um, sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. Seems reasonable. Amen? Verse 26, but the man, how many times has this happened to you in your life? But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, please, be patient with me and I will pay it all. Towards 27, then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his Debt. Whoa! <laughs> I bet that old boy had a lighter walk in his, in his step, didn't he? I bet he was really making tracks now, right? Now, who's the king represent? Go ahead. God, Jesus. Who's the servant represent? Sermon's over. You got it. Well, not quite. Hang on. But we need to learn some lessons from the forgiven servant. First of all, the debtor can't always repay you. That's why I say when you enter into a transaction with a friend or a family member especially, if you can't give them the money, don't enter the transaction. If you can't give it to them, walk away, just let it go. Now, they, they will say to you, I will repay you. But act as though they can't. Because oftentimes they can't. But don't keep giving them money. Don't keep giving them stuff. Don't. Stop. You forgave them. It's okay. But you don't have to enter into the transaction a second time. Because sometimes the debtor can't always repay you. Again, in Matthew 18, 18, 24. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. I mean, he just couldn't pay. That's what verse 25 says. He He just couldn't pay. We all have debts that we can't pay. And it's going to be hard to repay. But you keep chipping away at it. Why? Because you promised you would. That's what you gave them your word. Does your word mean anything? Don't take it if you're not going to repay it. Don't take it. You see, let me flip the coin there a minute. You don't need to keep giving it to them, but you don't need to keep quit asking for it. If you don't have it, don't buy it. I'd like to go out to eat dinner. Okay. Go get some, go get some uh, a bologna, fry it up in a pan, sit out on a patio and say, I'm having burgers outside. Go get some tube steak called weenies. 
I don't have a grill. Fine, just put a fire on a stick. Hold a match under it. Warm it up. I don't know. Can't repay it. Mortgages out of, out of control. Buy a pair of shoes. You, you sign up for that five easy payments to buy that Snuggie that you saw. But see, when we talk about sin, God paid the debt. Done. 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 Haven't you always wanted a rich relative who's going to die and leave you money? Man, I have. I don't have any. They're gone. The one that I thought would be good, she didn't leave me a dime. But I did find out at her funeral that she funded about 15 to 20 young men to go through Bible college and get their preaching degree. I thought, well, why wouldn't I end that list? She didn't give me a dime. And by golly, I'm mad at her. Ah, I was so encouraged to know that she loved the Lord enough to want to invest in the lives of young preachers to get them to preach the Word of God. Awesome. Awesome. You know, you can't go back in time, right? That friend offended you. That family member hurt you and abused you. But you can't go back in time. The debtor can't always pay. They can't always repay. But the offended can always show mercy. Look at Matthew 18, 27. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Often those who offend us don't even know that they've offended us. Let me give you a case in point. I was kind of in a rush yesterday to get to lunch. We were the four or five of us going to the movie. We we're going to meet for lunch before we went to the movie, and I, and I'm I'm going. I'm I'm getting off, and I'm behind this woman. I couldn't even see her head over the back of the seat in front of her that she was sitting in. You know, one of those kind. And I finally got to go around her, and she's and the steering wheel is like right here. She's looking under the steering wheel this way. That's how small she is, and she's old. And I was so much, I got right up on the tail of her car. I said, boy, I'll show her. Because I was in a hurry. Let's get going, woman. Get out of my way. How do you know it was a woman? Had to be. Had to be. Come to find out it wasn't a woman at all. That little fellow was doing the best he could to get that little car going. And I did. I looked at him with this stare, and he was so concerned about my stare. I could tell. I could see he was shaking because I was staring at him. I didn't say anything, but boy, I was staring at him. You ever done that? You think he got any of that stare? Zip, gone. No. He didn't care. He had no idea. How many times have we been hurt? And the person who hurt us has no idea they hurt us. We're the ones that walk around in bondage. We're the ones that are in prison because of it. Every time we see them, we just we start frothing at the mouth. Face turns every color but red. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's every every time little things happen. Maybe when your your kid was growing up, they got 
less playing time than another kid, and your kid was a whole lot better than that kid. But your kid got less playing time. Sorry, coaches. You got a worker that pushes you aside and promotes themselves. You got a boss that he just doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. You didn't get a Christmas card of all things. I used to get a Christmas card. I don't get one now. Hey, I'm not going back to church down there. Preacher didn't even say hi today. And people run friendly down that place. Well, you know, friendliness is a two-way street, isn't it? You don't know what that other person's going through that you're complaining about didn't say something to you. Maybe they've had a pretty rough day too. Hmm. Maybe if we'd go and mutually hug each other, we'd help each other out. Hmm. Smile a little bit. It won't hurt you to smile. Less muscles to smile does frown. Does. Just smile. Won't hurt you. Won't hurt you at all. I didn't get invited to that baby shower. I guess they don't want anything for me. Jesus said, For they do not know what they're doing. Let me show you a video that kind of encapsulates what I've been trying to say. forgiven this tremendous debt. We're talking millions of dollars. He's just, I'm free, man. I got no debt. Could you imagine not having a mortgage payment, not having a car payment, everything paid off free and clear. The guy is like, I am a free man, no debt, no worries. And he comes out and he comes across a servant. And this servant owed him a thousand dollars and he grabs him by the neck and starts choking him, demanding payment. I mean, what is up with that? And the guy couldn't pay, so he had him thrown into prison. So then the king hears about this, who had forgiven him that huge, tremendous debt. And he calls him before him and says, You evil servant. I forgave you of this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just like I had mercy on you? And then the angry king, he throws him into prison to be tortured until he can pay the entire debt. And this is what your heavenly father will do for you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Why would God be so harsh? Why would he say such a thing? I believe it's because God knows that unforgiveness puts you in a prison. Unforgiveness is like sipping poison expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness puts you in a prison. Yeah, but preacher, you just don't understand. What they did to me is so big, so heinous, so bad. You just don't get it. 
How in the world can I forgive them? How can I keep forgiving them? You know, I've been abused. I've been abandoned. My father chose alcohol or my mother chose meth. You don't get it. You'll never get it because you don't know that kind of life. It's not easy. See, you don't know about my growing up years. You don't know about my home life. You don't know about my alcoholic, womanizing father. Who at 10 years old asked my mother, where's he going? And she said, follow him. He was one of those old guys that liked to drive like this. Because he was drinking most of the time. So I got on my bike and I could follow him. I could stay up with him. I was a strapper at 10. Man, I'm following just like FBI. Following him up an old, old road that led to what we as kids called the haunted house. I had no idea what was in the haunted house. It just looked like one. So I watched my dad go up and knock on the door. This is mid-afternoon. And the lady answered the door, and my dad went in. I didn't quite understand what all that meant till later. See, you don't know. You don't know. But I do know one thing. That I was able to go to my dad's grave and forgive him. Because he had already died. He was gone before I could ever say anything to him. Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to say anything. I was angry. I was angry all the time. Mad at him all the time. But somebody said, well, go to his grave and just tell him what you would tell him if he was sitting face to face. That's what I did. Best release I've ever felt in my life was that sin of unforgiveness lifting from me. You see, Jesus' love is greater than any offense. Matthew 18 The master says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Mercy. Mercy. He had mercy on us. Don't lock yourself in a prison cell of unforgiveness. Jesus was betrayed. Judas falsely accused him and He went to trial and He was rejected. His disciples fled town. He was abused. He was crucified. He was humiliated. The cross is the most humiliating way to die. Yet He said, Father, forgive them. Matthew 6. Verses I ran across in my processing with my dad. He said, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. As hard as it was for me, I chose to forgive. And I've continued to choose to forgive. Not easy. No, it's not easy. But it's the best choice. It's the best way. And God's waiting on the other side of the word, I forgive. Boom, there he is. There he is. 
And I know he's got his hands up like this going, all right, all right, all right. We can do this, brother. We can do this. What a lift. What a lifting of that burden. What a lift. You may say, oh, I could never do that. You, you just don't know, preacher. It's, it's just impossible. But what's impossible with man is very possible with God. And it all starts with prayer. If you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. Do you realize the walls of this church could be moved if we prayed? Do you realize that every seat in this, wor- in this room could be filled if we prayed? I don't know how many of you commented to me last week about, wow, you see every seat in there was full. It could be like that every Sunday. Well, not every Sunday's Easter. Why not? We celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. Who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? Are you bringing anybody? But it starts with prayer. And your prayers may or may not change the other person, but I can guarantee you one thing, they'll change you. They'll change you. The story is told of a couple that was on a cruise ship years and years ago. And the cruise ship had a problem and was sinking. And this husband and wife who were on the cruise got to where the lifeboats were and discovered there's only room for one person, one more person. So the husband pulls the wife back and jumps on the lifeboat. And as it's lowered to the water and begins to float away, he looks at her and drifts off into the dark. Now, how do you feel about that? He's worthless, isn't he? How in the world would that guy do that? Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. The reason they were on the cruise is because the wife had had an incurable disease. And it was on its last stages for her. And so when he jumped on the boat, he looked back at her and she said, take care of our children. Take care of our children. She sank with the boat. He got back home and raised his daughters by himself to be fine, fine young women. And when he died... The daughter was going through his books, found his diary, and he had put an entry in the diary that said, Oh, that I could have spent an eternity with you on the bottom of the, of the ocean. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you again one day. You see, we don't always know the other side of the story but I do know one thing that my God is able my God is able to lift a burden from your heart and to bring love and mercy back into your life if you'll just let him if you'll just let him
He'll never force His way in. He wants you to say, come. Father, I ask you this morning to move among us and thank you for this time this morning that we could just focus a moment on your love and mercy and grace in our life. Father, would you guide us and direct us today and would you be ever so close to us and if there's someone here that means to make a decision for you, would they do it? In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is tenderly calling. If he's calling your heart, would you respond today as we stand and sing together?